my wife says that I say not bad too many times how are you not bad you know how's the family not bad and I realized just today's message is called not bad I realized just since I wrote that title down every time I say it and I realize I'm saying not bad every day in, in, in a thousand situations now as we start a new year right 2022 really another year do you want another year does anybody want another year like the last few years how was 2021 not bad and what do you know what not bad means it means n not good I don't know what does not bad mean not not brilliant it means maybe good so how was 2019 how was 2020 and you know we live in a world I think that is saying another year please really more of the same and I believe the world would say to us Michael in evangelism where is this God where is he you guys are forever telling us about your God forever telling us that he's coming back well I can't see him I can't see him and you gotta have a lot of empathy sympathy for the lost I mean if you were calculating your belief in God based on observation of the planet I mean you, you, I mean the lost think is the world gonna end you know what they'll say yeah we might get hit by an asteroid maybe Putin will press the button and they've got all these ideas about how the world will end the farthest thing from their mind is that the world is actually going to end with the return of the Son of God it's the farthest thing from their mind are you cuckoo because they can't see it all they see is war and rumors of war pandemics and disease and economic catastrophes and so in their mind they do think we're crazy but our faith on his return is not based upon what we see or what we are experiencing amen it is based upon his promises and thank God for that this morning I, I think you'd agree with me it's probable if you said to God if you said to the lost what do you think God is like not bad no I think they probably say bad isn't it isn't your God bad I mean take a look take a look out there he must be bad but that's not my point guys a lot of Christians especially when trouble strikes a lot of Christians have a sneaky little suspicion when someone dies or you get sick or it didn't work out the way you wanted it or you expected it a lot of Christians at that moment would you say is God good <laughs> he's not bad <laughs> he's not bad and that assessment of who God is can be just shaken a little bit in a moment of pain and suffering and confusion and doubt been there right a little confusion just a moment of not knowing quite who exactly this God is perfectly understandable and I think in, at this moment in the world we have what you would call a teaching moment we have a world that is open and aghast at what's going on and I think we should take full advantage of it number one we have a moment to explain to the world that Jesus is coming back sorry guys it isn't going to be an asteroid it isn't going to be a pandemic no it's not 
It's going to be the return of God that finishes all of this. Oh yes it is. And we have a moment to establish that truth. We also have a moment to establish just how good he is. In establishing the goodness of God, for me, we're going to end up here at the communion table no matter what we do. You're going to come back to this place. And let me take you on a little, a little trip this morning, a little journey this morning. The Bible is full of typology, types in the Old Testament, and then the reality in the New, and a lot of that within the people of Israel. The Jewish people had a very special day once a year called Yom Kippur. It was the Day of Atonement, and it, for them it was the only time of the year where they were required. You had to fast. A very special, special occasion. And on that day, the high priest, let's say Aaron, Aaron would come forward, he would slaughter a goat, sorry about that, he would slaughter a goat, listen to this, and Aaron would take the blood off the goat, and Aaron would pass through the curtain, he would enter into the Holy of Holies, he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat, and what happened was that was the propitiation, temporary, for sins and all the people would be outside so I hope he comes back I hope he comes back so that we've got another year where God has forgiven our sins so out Aaron would come and all the people say oh praise the Lord we have another year where God is with us such was the temporary weak nature of the old covenant that was the day of atonement Yom Kippur but there was another day it's recorded in Leviticus and it happened only once every 50 years. It was the year of Jubilee. And exactly the same thing would happen on the Day of Atonement, as on the Day of Atonement, except Aaron would do as normal, or whoever the high priest was, he would slaughter a goat, bring the blood into the Holy of Holies, sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. But listen to this. On the, in the year of Jubilee, when Aaron or whoever the high priest was came back out, the trumpet would sound through all the land of Israel and a declaration would be made only once in a lifetime, once every 50 years. And that declaration, this is the year of Jubilee. And they loved it because all your debts were wiped out. Who would like that? Amen. All your sins are washed away. All wrongs are put right. You get a year off. It's a sabbatical. The year of Jubilee was a year of complete rest. Total rest. Not just for people, but for the very earth itself. For the land itself. Now, can you see the picture here? Can you see the typology? Aaron, just a human being, enters in and sprinkles on the mercy seat. And that's a picture of what? The ascension of Jesus Christ. And in Jesus' case, it wasn't the blood of bulls and goats. It was his own blood. And Jesus died on the cross and went into the Holy of Holies on your behalf. And he sprinkled his own blood on the mercy seat. But he hasn't come back. And so every 50 years, God has set in history a type, a picture, when the high priest on the year of Jubilee would come back. And on that return, which is promised 
It's guaranteed. On that return, you get complete rest. You see, Jesus will come back. This has been set long before you were born, long before your parents were born, long before your grandparents were born. God was teaching the world, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And when he comes back, he will bring that reign of peace. I hope you get the point. The, 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 the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, it represents the ascension when Christ ascended. But the year of Jubilee, friend, he's coming back. Amen. He's coming back. Guaranteed he's coming back. You know, when the apostles were looking at Jesus and Jesus was raising up into heaven, remember the angels came. What did they say? Don't be amazed, was the, uh, Acts chapter 1. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking in the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken up to heaven, will come back in the same way. Do you know what, guys? <coughs> the same Aaron who passed through the veil into the Holy of Holies, guess who came back? The same guy. The same guy. The same Aaron. The same Aaron who went in, the same Aaron came back. And this is what the angels saying to these terrified men. Why are you amazed? The same Jesus that took his blood and sprinkled it on that holy seat, the, the, the mercy seat. This same Jesus shall return. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. And throughout scriptures, it, it, it proclaims what God's going to do when he comes back. You know, there's so much disease in bodies at the moment. All over the world, people conscious of death. What was it, CNN or one of those programs the other day? They were talking about the statistics for death. And these are the cancer deaths, and these are this death, and these are the, the virus deaths. But you know, there was a category there that was unexplained. People are dying in, in unexplained numbers. There's a spirit of death and fear in the world. These bodies, weak bodies, getting infected. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul talks about death. And he's talking about the return of Christ. And he, he says these wonderful words. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? For the sting of death is sin, but the power of God is eternal life. Hallelujah. I love those scriptures. Absolutely love those scriptures. So my, my first point this morning... Is God good? Oh, he's not bad. No. Is God good? All the time. Through and through, God is good. My second point, maybe a little bit more difficult. Listen, everybody. Judgment is good. What? <laughs> judgment is good. I had an office in Dublin City Centre. There's a place there called the Four Courts. It's literally Four Courts in the center of the, uh, of the city. And our church was right opposite. My office window used to look out on the courts all day. Do you know, all day, every day, people were going to court. Do you think they looked happy? They did not look happy. They looked worried. They were often walking up and down outside my window, smoking frantically. Who, who wants to go to court? Who wants to face a judge? Huh? Judge Judy? Huh? Who wants to face a judge? Judgment's not, in the natural sense, judgment is not something to be longed for. Oh, bring it on! Let's have judgment day! But that's what Christians do. In the Bible, 
Our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come. Bring it on, God. Christians are so confident that God is going to save them that they long for judgment day. Thy kingdom come. Come, Lord. Don't delay. Wow. Wow. And the world thinks we're crazy. This is what the psalmist, listen to the psalmist talk about judgment day. Shout for joy to the Lord. Shout for joy. Burst forth with jubilant music. Make music to the Lord. Let them sing before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. Goodness me. That is not what we see, is it? Something is missing. Judgment is a good thing. And we could say, well, why is judgment a good thing? What on earth could be good about judgment? Well, I tell you what, folks. Do you know when Jesus comes back? You know the do you know what? Look at me a minute, everybody. Pay attention. Listen. You know sin. Sin causes you to suffer. Sin causes pain. You suffer because of sin. You're suffering in your life. We're dealing last week with someone with very serious sin and suffering and the pain in that life. And you can almost, I can hear them thinking, you know, why don't you judge me? Of course I don't judge you. I don't judge you. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. Just as we are yet did not sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with confidence and receive from him whatever we need in our time of need. Do you know why we long for judgment? Because when this judge comes back, you know sin in your life, it's dead. Hallelujah. Sin will have no dominion over you. Sickness will have no dominion over you. When this judge returns, he's going to set you free. That's the good news. And we have confidence in him. So we call on him. Not only will he fix us up. He will silence the accuser of the brethren. The devil who whispers in your ear. He will silence that devil once and for all. He will heal your body once and for all. He will even restore this earth once and for all. So no judgments. God's not bad. God is very good. Judgment's not bad. Judgment is good. You ready for the next one? Death is not bad. Oh no. I thought you'd finished. Death is not bad. The apostle Paul said to die is gain. If I die, I gain. He looked forward to it, but he remained here for our sake. <coughs> In 1 John it says this. Listen to this. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. We don't know your spirit yet. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That is amazing. Michael. When you die, right now, we see you in a physical body. And from time to time, we glimpse the glory of God. But it's like through a glass darkly. But we see God in you. But see, when you die, that's over. Then you will see Jesus. 
And what is going to change you is when you see him. That's what scripture says. When you see him, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be like him. Every single one of you. You will be physically changed. It's called the spiritual body. It means the Holy Spirit has got a hold of you. You're going to be like him. All the old is gone. Your very character is going to be like him. So the things you struggle with now, that's gone. Your character is going to be like him. Your nature is going to be at one with him. That is fantastic. No wonder the psalmists claim and call God to come back. Oh, Jesus. <clears throat> because of my job, I end up with people who are dying on a frequent basis. Sometimes that's not good. But sometimes it's unbelievable. It's just, it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Look at me a moment, everyone. I'm going to tell you a surprise. You ready for a surprise? Many dying people are very happy. Yeah, this is what I've learned. They're very happy. And uh, I'll give you an example. I went to one guy, he called you going to die, and they give him morphine. It's like 24 hours. We know he's going to die tomorrow, blah, blah. Would you go? He's not, a Catholic, he's not a Christian. He's a Catholic and all this. I said, no, but I'd never met the guy. So I went into the room, you know. Oh, you're the pastor. I heard you were coming, you know. So I sit down there and I said, well, I've come to, to, to tell you about, about God. And he kind of took the conversation from that point on. You come to tell me about my God. Let me tell you about how good my God is. Have you got any idea how good God has been to me in my life? All my life he's been with me, walking with me. And I trust in him. And guess what? I'm going to see him soon. I'm going to see him soon. And I looked at that guy. I was frightened. <laughs> I was frightened. I was frightened. He scared me. And at one point he pulled up his pajamas. And he said, look at this. And it was, it was as red as a tomato. Cancer. It was just bursting. He said, look, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm not going to go to God. Jesus. They sent me to, to tell him about God. What a joke. What a joke. That man taught me. I, I saw it. Do you know what I saw in him? Listen, folks. Sin separates us from that type of attitude. That man, that was one happy man. It's sin that separates us from that. But the Bible says that when someone has suffered in their body, they are finished with sin. That's what it says. Suffering causes us to reject sin. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. This guy dying has no space for those things. He's got no room for those things. David said, when I was afflicted, it blessed me. Wow, what a strange saying. Those people are humbled and they're broken. About four times in my life I've been in that situation. You see, do you know when, when, when they were stoning Stephen and he was just about to die? Steve, it said that Stephen took on the face of an angel. He had one foot in heaven. He's gone. He's halfway there. You see? He's in the twilight zone. It's just starting to change. And that's where that guy was. I was telling Mary yesterday, my first wife Jeanette was exactly the same. She scared me. She had suffered so much in her body that... The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You've got no grip on her. 
She's fighting her back in the bed for three years. All her pride's gone. Sickness will destroy your pride, friend. Sickness will humble you. Yeah. Bankruptcy will humble you. Rejection will humble you. Age will humble you. Divorce will humble you. Failure will humble you. Many things can humble you. I, I, I witnessed Jeanette in that, in that place. Not every day, about four or five times over two years when she lost her ability to speak. I would go into the room, but the presence of God was so strong. I was frightened to be with her. <coughs> One day I went in and she was on her own. She shouldn't be there. The nurse should be in the room. Where's the nurse gone? There's a nurse, new nurse from Sierra Leone. And she was standing outside, hiding behind the door, looking at me, you know. And she was saying, come here, come here. I said, what, you should be, come here, come here. So I went outside, well, what will you do? Come here, come here. What's the problem? And she said, is that your wife? I said, yes, yes. I said, oh, this morning, this morning, I got her up and I was giving her a shower. And as I was giving her a shower, she put her hand on me. She started praying for me. She's getting the life out of me. She can't speak. She's getting the life out of me. Is she coming? No. She was terrified of her. She said, well, what is that? I said, she's born again. She said, so am I. I'm born again. I said, well, she was a pastor. That's all. Now, you see, Jeanette couldn't talk. And she was physically, like Stephen, she was one step over. She was halfway in, halfway out, in that twilight zone. It's a brilliant place, really. The beatific vision, that's what it's called. When you die and you see Christ. That's called the beatific means happy fight. You'd, you'd be made happy. Totally happy. But it's a scary place. Honestly, it's a scary place. We all probably have one of these in your house. A little infusion thing. Could you hold this for me? A little infusion thing where you put a little bit of oil inside. Um, perfumed oil. And then, but it's, it's very weak. It's very weak. You put some scent in here, and let's say this is your body. The scent permeates a part of this stick, and it just works its way up. But as soon as it gets out, it evaporates, you know? A bit like the Holy Spirit. You've got the Holy Spirit, hard to, get, hard, hard to keep a hold of. Hard to stay filled all the time. Kind of get filled and then it's gone. Yeah. Lost its scent out. Wow. Maybe we need to fill it again. That's the suffering of this life. That's what this is. That's you now. And the good news is, see this thing. <laughs> the good news is, watch this. See, when you die, it's not going to be like that. It's going to be completely and utterly different. This is you, and your life is going to be hidden with Christ in God. Forever and forever. You're going to be sealed in the beloved. How wonderful. Here comes your mum. Here comes your son. Amen. Amen. Here comes the people you've witnessed to. And they all get sealed. And Jesus just wants to save people. Thank you. And seal them up. This is, this is the wonderful thing about judgment. He takes all the sin away. Destroys it. He comes to save you, gives you a brand new body, fills you with his Holy Spirit, and you are happified. You will be eternally at one. Your life will be hidden in Christ who is in God. 
absolutely wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God, help us. May we radiate the love of Christ more. And I pray that whatever pride is in us, Father, would you forgive us? I think of that man dying, that his pride was gone. And the life of God could be seen. And Lord, may it not take affliction to cause us to humble ourselves. But may we do it right now. And like that little scent, would you fill us up and let us spread the fragrance of Christ wherever we go. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God is not bad. Judgment is not bad. Death is not bad. And finally, the future is not bad. Shabani here has a passion for the stabbings in London with the youth. But around the world, you know, young people are dying at an alarming rate. They are committing suicide at higher rates than we've ever, ever known. And one of those reasons is because when they look forward, forward, forward to what? Forward? Look at what you've left me. Look at this planet you've left me. Forward to what have I got to look forward to? Imagine growing up listening to this news. So it's very down. The future, <coughs> how do you see the future? Not bad, not bad. But if you're a Christian, the future is not just good. It's absolutely, unbelievably fantastic. It's beyond your imagination. Probably never entered your mind what God has in store for you. Eternally. Eternally. Now we don't preach prosperity or encourage you to pursue materialism or consumerism. That's not the sort of church this is. Buy new things all the time. Go out and buy new stuff. New stuff. No, that's not what we do. However, there's a correction to be made there. Because God's mercies are new. Every day. And all through scripture, God's always focusing on the new. Always focusing on the new. Forget the former things. Get yourself something new. Right? Do you know who wants me to focus on my past? Not God, man. The devil. Wants me to focus on my past. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? I'm going to make a way for you. I've got two boxes here on this. The red one represents a memory box. I don't know if you've got one of these in your home. Maybe you have. It's like a memory box. It's the thing that you put trinkets and, you know, little things from the past in it and you stick it under your bed or whatever. Do you know what God says about this? Forget it. <laughs> yeah. Forget it. Oh, but, 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 there's some good stuff in there. Yeah, forget it. What? Yeah, forget it. Yeah. Funny that, isn't it? You know the Apostle Paul? Great qualifications, right? Pharisee of Pharisees. And he said, I now forget the former things. And I press on to Christ. In this box. Do you know in this box? The devil wants me to have my failures. Oh, look. Oh, oh, do you remember? Oh. He wants me to remember my failures. But I'm warning you. It's also your successes. And they can both be dangerous. 
And in times of lack of passion or not wanting to go forward, we tend to go back to the old, hello, <laughs> and past glories instead of making the new effort on the new day to go forward. Are you with me? Every church I've ever pastored, I've met people who want to talk about the past. You know that? And it has never on one occasion been good. So I had one guy who wanted to talk about the 1500s and the 1600s. I tolerated the first conversation because it's interesting. The Puritans and all that. Yeah, yeah, I got it, got it, got it, got it. But after the third conversation, I've had enough of this. Okay. You need to forget the former things. God's got something new for you. And your passion about this past, I'm not convinced this is good. I'm not convinced it's good. You're actually resisting something by talking about the past. Forget the former things. And let God do something new. Now I said to my wife earlier this week, <coughs> would you go on Google <coughs> and would you, on Google you can find an A4 sheet with all the promises of God. You can get 101 A4 sheet. Would you print it out and cut it up? Yeah, please give me that box. And on Sunday, I said to her, on Sunday, I'm going to go to the church and I want to have not a memory box, I want to have a promise box. I want to have a promise box, completely the opposite of a memory box. And I want, in there, I don't want our people to focus on the past. I want them to focus and to, to give them. So go on Google, get an A4 sheet, cut it up, 100 promises, and put them in a box. And she looked at me and she said, no. <laughs> you know, Latino style. No. I said, what's the problem? I will go to the Bible. I will go to the Bible and I will find and she typed these out every single I will find individual something that speaks to me so every person individually loved will leave with something and two days later she finished God doesn't want you focused on the past he wants you to trust his word and focus on the future to where you're going and to what God has for you eternally. It's the devil who's got a memory box, you know that? The devil's got a great big memory box just with your name on it. <laughs> Kick it out, spring cleaning. And God has a text box, a promise box with your name on it. And focus on that in 2022. The last thing I would say, particularly to young people, about the future, because it's a negative connotation, I believe, these days. When you hear pre people preaching about heaven, right? You, I've heard this many times. They, they will say this. Well, God was with Adam in the Garden of Eden, and Adam fell, and now God's going to come back and he's going to redo the Garden of Eden. Like a new landscape gardener coming in. You know, he's going to fix the whole thing up, going to have a little waterfall here and all that. It's just like a, a redone Garden of Eden. You couldn't, you couldn't be more mistaken if you tried. You're, you, you're infinitesimally removed from the reality of what that means. Eden looked like darkness in comparison to heaven. Did you hear me? The Garden of Eden looked like darkness in comparison to what's in your future. 
So when you look back, do not look at the Garden of Eden and say that's where you're going. No, that's where mankind has been. That's where we've been. Not going back there. Forget the former things. And if we can get a grip just of the glory of what God has in store eternally for those who will trust him and put their faith in him. The mind boggles. The mind blows. Look, in the first Garden of Eden, there was a snake in there. Satan's walking round. Adam's there and he's not up to much, is he? He didn't do his job. He lost all dominion. The first Eden doesn't look great to me at all. It's not, a, it's not a redo of Eden. Heaven is the last Adam. Heaven is the Lord Jesus Christ who has defeated everything, defeated every devil, driven out all sin. Hello. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about how incomparable Jesus is to angels, to powers, to principality, to everything else. And that's how incomparable the Garden of Eden is to where you're going. Amen. And if only people could see that instead of getting distracted by this life. Michael, would you go up behind that stage and just... Joe, would you go on the keyboard for me, please? Just one moment. <coughs> I want to just show you before we have communion here today that's it good job <laughs> thank you would you just hold that up behind this behind this like a curtain just if you make, just make yourself disappear oh the full length of the blanket the, 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 if you open it all up yeah thank you yeah that's it exactly look at that look at that look at that so for hundreds and hundreds of years the high priest would kill an animal and he would go through the curtain in behind you couldn't see him sprinkles the blood on the mercy seat and then he comes back out and every 50 years just to guarantee the return of Christ. When he came back out, they blew the trumpet. What does scripture say? When Christ returns, the trumpets will blow. You will hear it. And when he comes back through that curtain, as every high priest did, that is the return of Christ. And with him, he will bring a judgment that will set you free. It will set you free forever. It's going to completely transform you physically, spiritually, and morally. And when you enter into that heaven, that kingdom, not Eden, you will be forever blessed, forever happified in the presence of God. Now, how on earth, you know, looking at the Old Testament or looking at the history of the Jews or looking at just the story of God's story, his story, how anyone can still reject God makes your mind boggle. So I say to any of you who are not saved at home, wherever you are or in this room, it's not complicated. Father, I turn from my sin and I trust in you. You died on the cross to take away my sin. I turn from my sin. I put my faith in you. You died for me. Now strengthen me and I will walk with you. 
Michael's still there. <laughs> Jesus is still there. But one day he will come back. Until that day, what do we do? Communion, that's right. And when you approach this table, what you're doing is you're declaring the act of your faith. I believe that the Son of God entered it. I believe his body was broken. I believe his blood was spilt. This is my declaration of faith. Hallelujah. What I want you to do this morning, would you take a piece of bread, please? I want you to come up here, take a piece of bread in the same hand, take a cup. And then with your other hand, I want you to take a promise because we're going to trust in the promises of God for our future, our family's future, this country's future. I'm opening up the altar. Michael, thank you very much. Thank you. You can come out now. <laughs> the altar is open. You come and take the bread and the wine. Thank you, Father.